0: From Orange County, California, you are listening to Taking Flight with Captain Michael Rocket Blackstone. That almost sounds like a fake name. Maybe Marvel's next superhero? Might want to check into that. This is a different type of aviation podcast that is not hosted by a tech geek know-it-all or communist sympathizing wacko, no. No. Lucky for you, I am your host. With over 30 years and 30,000 hours of flying high-performance aircraft all over the world, 21 years at a major airline, and with over 25 years in the extremely challenging flying business, I hope to become your personal coach to get you started in your career in aviation as a pilot and to help you identify and survive this industry's many pitfalls and booby traps along the way. This podcast is my personal commitment to helping you succeed in making your dreams of flying for a living or as a hobby come true. We're trying to avoid that happening to your career because that's got to hurt. Welcome back. You are listening to Taking Flight with Michael Rocket Blackstone. On our last episode, if you're just tuning in, we did a expose on the Pitts S2C, what it's like to own it, fly it, and care for it in today's episode. Episode number four, we'll be talking about flight training, what it takes to get into flying, how much work is it going to be, how much it's going to cost, and where to begin and I will start off today with thanking you guys for uh, staying with me and joining us for our adventure through my life and uh, to introduce aviation to to you and to hopefully get you excited so maybe you can uh, experience aviation in a career as a career like I did for the last 30 years and I'm still continuing to do and enjoying uh, sharing it, this opportunity during COVID to get that, uh, that, that message out. So, uh, I'd like to also remind you to subscribe right now before I forget. As Go ahead and press the subscribe button. Stay with us and follow us along as we teach you all the things that I know about aviation as much as I possibly can and give you an opportunity to interact with me via email. You're welcome to email me at takingflightwithrocket@gmail.com and we'll put a, uh, we'll put a, a link at the bottom so you guys can email me. But if you're listening and writing it down, taking rocket at gmail.com will get you an email so I can answer any of your questions on a future episode. So first of all, how hard is learning to fly? When I look back at at the time when I did it, uh, you know, of course, I was only you know 15 years old. Learning was something that I did. You know, you go to school, but when you're an adult and you got to take time out of your work schedule to get back into the books and learn something, that can be daunting. And I don't want it to be something that you that you're afraid of. So, uh, for starters, learning to fly is the greatest gift of all time. I think it'll be something you'll look forward to. It's going to be fun. You're going to learn some great material about some really. You know exotic th- concepts and thoughts, and you know lift and drag and thrust and and weight and, and all of these things that, that that make flying possible. And I like to think of it like the like the movie uh, Back to the Future. You know the flux capacitor. It's what makes time travel possible. And and flying is is a magic and uh, and. the the Wright brothers, you know, kind of put it all together and made flight possible for us in our lifetimes. And to miss that opportunity to go out and fly something, I I think you'd really be missing out on something great. So I, I highly recommend you take this seriously, get in there and and be, take the first steps. It's not as hard as you might think. It only takes 40 hours to learn to fly. You're gonna have to do some ground school, but you know that's the that that's the annie in. It, it's a time commitment. How much time is it gonna take? Well, how fast can you read and memorize answers? So, for the most part, you're gonna need to get this information into your head long enough to pass the test, but then remember the pieces throughout your coursework that are going to help you do well in the in the exam with the the flight examiner when when you have to go do your your private pilot exam which is what you're striving for here in this course is to get your private pilot license you're going to have to remember that material as well so you're going to get most of that surface charge into your mind so you can pass the test and then Keep your notes, keep your books, keep everything you need to to keep refreshed on it and make it part of what you know. And over time of doing your, your lessons with your instructor, you're going to be able to do that. So it shouldn't be a big problem and it'll be a lot of fun to do it. Well, how much is it going to cost? Flight lessons are about $200 an hour. I, I know that that may seem like a lot, but what's it going to gain for you in your life? And how much is it going to be worth to you to be able to fly up the coast and Cruise along Highway 1 from LA to San Francisco or, or fly you know, from LA to Phoenix for you know, a meeting with your family or take a family of four on a, on a small vacation, a road trip, if you will, in the airplane, go to the Grand Canyon. These kinds of trips are really only possible to pilots. Getting in the road and getting in your car and driving for 14 hours to, to a destination and then 14 back makes a weekend getaway impossible. So flying allows for you to do that, and we'll talk about that in our in our next episode as, as to where you're going to go with this great uh, private pilot uh, license. Once you get it, we'll talk about a cross-country in the next episode, but today's episode is the first steps in flight training. Now, as I look back on my flying uh, beginnings, I read a book. I, I went into a Jepson uh, Jepsen private pilot manual, and I read the book and study the material, then you do the coursework in the back, and now things are online, so you don't have to read the book per se and then write it all down in a scratch pad. You can certainly do it online. Uh, Jepson, I'm sure, has one. Sporty's Pilot Shop has a has a private pilot course. Uh, King Aviation is a huge school. Martha and John King Uh, one of the biggest schools in the United States have an online course. They've been doing this for over 40 years. They got this thing dialed down to a science. They're funny. uh, They're cute. They're a cute little old couple. I mean, they'd probably be upset with that, but they got the really nice picture from 70 years ago or uh, 40 years ago from the 70s. Um, They're much older now, but they are an amazing couple. They love aviation. They've been teaching people about how to pass all of the tests. And so they have the private pilot coursework and I can click on that here. And I believe it's, I want to say 150 bucks approximately. And Gleam, G-L-E-I-M has the same thing for about 150 bucks. So uh, I'm not promoting one over the other. I'm just looking through what's available today. And you can do the same thing as you get online. You can search for private pilot training courses. And pick the one you like. Uh, So the biggest one is King Schools, and Gleams a a pretty big one as well. And then, like I mentioned, Sporty's Pilot Shop has an online course that you can buy as well. About 150 to 200 bucks, I believe, for these courses. Pick the one that looks best to you, and get started right away. Get started today. Order it. Get it going. The next thing that that uh, that you're gonna have to think about is is what are your what are your choices for, for, are you going to go military or are you going to go into uh, civilian flying? And if you are young enough, and I believe the, the military has raised the age to 30. It used to be 26 and a half. I believe it's 30 now. And you could become a pilot through the military If you enroll in the military and and enlist and then get your license, uh, get your ratings and your wings, they call it, and then you can stay in the military for, I believe it's eight years after wings to fly as a a naval flight officer or 10-year, I'm sorry, it's a 10-year commitment, eight-year commitment for NFO and 10-year commitment for pilots. It's wings plus six for NFO and wings plus eight. It takes about two years to get your wings and... The way that the military does it is they have what they call a introduction to flight screening program to decide who's who's the most likely candidate to get through the program and they do a, uh, a place called ProFlight in Maryland does it where they take you up and they give you introductory 25 hours and something like a, a Diamond DA20 and then they give you a bunch of CDs in ground school before you fly and you... You get ready and you go, and once you get through your twenty-five hours, then you go on into the rest of the program, which is, I believe, a T six Texan two, and then they go in into fly. They break it down into uh, the next jet you fly is like a uh, it's like a T two Buckeye, but there's there's a newer version of it now. So there's there's that that path. I don't know a lot about the, the military path because I didn't go that way, and some people actually go through the Naval Academy and then go into or one of the academies and then go into this uh, this new program called the introductory to flight screening program, which kind of is run through a, a civilian operator that gives you those those first preliminary hours to to see whether you're going to do well in the program, and then onto that's like a screening program, and then onto the aircraft that the Navy has, which is the T. Uh, T, T six Texan two. So that's that's the military method. But I don't really know that method as much as I know the civilian method, which I kind of feel is not as structured. It's a little bit harder to to navigate the waters, but with a little bit of ingenuity and and, and a little bit of thinking, you can find a way to get the knowledge you need first. Then go to flight training school. You know, and go to pilot school at at a, at a uh, your local FBO, fixed base operator, with a with a flight uh, school on site, and start asking some questions about how you can get signed up for your first lesson. When you start to fly, you you can fly without a a medical certificate initially, but when you when you solo, you're going to need to have your have your medical certificate done. And there are different classes of medicals, uh, first-class medical, second-class medical, third-class medical. All you really need to do your private license is a third-class medical. If you're concerned at all about your medical uh, condition or history, uh, if you can't get a driver's license, that, that might be something to really uh, consider as, as a, a no-go for flying. But if you have a driver's license and you can drive a car safely, you can get started in flying. There are waivers for just about everything now. So if you're worried about your eyes, you might have, you know, 20-70 vision. Maybe you have 2,300 vision. Maybe you can barely see the E. And I know that that seems a little, a little nerve-wracking. Some of you probably listen. oh my God, they're gonna let people fly who are blind. No, but if you can get your vision to be 20-20 with correction, if you have glasses or contacts, or you have uh, an approved surgery, you can certainly pass the eye exam. That is the least of of, of our worries today with uh, medical, except for colorblindness. So the only thing that I've ever heard that really stops people from learning to fly because of a medical condition is colorblindness. It's something that you want to try to find out early. If you can't see the difference between red and green, go see your AME, your Aviation Medical Examiner, and the local one, you can find them online. And you can find out whether you have any kind of colorblindness, if you, if you can get past it, if you can get you know three out of five of the tiles that show you numbers with colors, if you can see most of them, I'm sure you can pass the test. If you can't see any of them, that would be a, a disqualifying problem. That's the only one I can really think of right now. So uh, since I'm not in the medical world at all, uh, we'll, we'll discuss medical with, with, with an AME at some point in the show, but uh, that'll be at a later date. When you're going to go learn to fly civilian, you can, you're going to realize it's going to take 40 hours to learn to fly. And from what I understand, the, some of the flight schools are, are letting us know that it may take 60 to 80 hours to get your pilot license. And for me, that the the regs say 40 hours. And if you're taking 60 to 80, a couple things could be going on there. One is, is the student isn't coming in prepared. I realize we're all overloaded with a lot of data and a lot of, uh, distractions with our phones and things like that. Well, don't let that stop you. Focus and put your phone away and, and make this something that you do because you want to do it and you don't want to be distracted by it and you're going to schedule time for it. And don't let your phone or your busy schedule stop you from that because the, the benefits of learning to fly are so much greater than allowing yourself to get distracted with Facebook and, and, and social media, stay off that stuff. And if you can, and uh, schedule time away from that so that you could get your pilot training done and stay on top of it and not take 60 hours to get your, 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 your pilot license, because uh, it could cost you thousands of dollars more to do it that way. If you stay on schedule, stay on the syllabus And stay focused and make sure you're completing your tasks on time. You get done in 40, 42, 45 hours. And if you lollygag and don't watch it too much, you can end up doing a lot more, taking 50% more time and and really increasing the cost of your private pilot license for you. So I recommend that. I recommend... um, Picking a plane you like. Go to the flight school again. You know, look, Take a look at what airplanes they're using. If they have new Diamonds DA20s, that might be great. And, and I've never really flown one except flew it one one time. I've never trained in one and, and took lessons in one. I flew it and had a great time in it. I like the the layout of the cockpit. It's got a stick. It's got a uh, glass panel. It flies nice. It's got a nice big wing on it. It's, it's very, very docile. It'd be a fun, easy airplane to learn to fly in. I think you'd enjoy it. But i'm also a tail dragger guy so from what i understand you cannot learn to fly in a tail dragger today currently and the fa doesn't really want you to start from scratch and get your first solo and your first uh license and rating in a tail dragger exclusively so what they want you to do is, is go get your 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 private license in a tricycle gear and then do the tail dragger add-on after and I'm okay with that. If that's what you got to do, that's what you got to do. But get into a tail dragger at some point so that you can learn the real concepts of how to make the airplane land straight. And when you get into a tail dragger, you'll know what I'm talking about. Tailwheel pilots know what I'm talking about. You've got to land that thing straight as an arrow and you got to take it off straight as an arrow on the runway. Don't let it drift. Don't let it leave the center line and don't let it land crooked. And the the tailwheel airplane will teach you that you can learn in a cub if you have a friend with a Cub, you can find somebody with a Cub and take some lessons in a uh, J3 Cub. It's a Piper product. It's a really cool old school one. Usually they're yellow with the black uh, diagonal stripe going down the side. And then the other airplane I think is great is a Satabria. Satabria is made by American aircraft. It is a aerobatic airplane too. In my mind, it feels like an, an aerobatic cub. So if you want to do a little aerobatics while you're learning to do your takeoffs and landings, and then you go out and you do a little acro with it and a little unusual attitude training, I think it would be highly beneficial to do that during your training, to get your confidence up, to show you what you need to do. The wing is very forgiving and straight. It's much like a Cessna 172 wing, big and and wide and square and, and uh, lots of lift. And those skills will be really transferable to like a 152 or 172. And uh, the tailwheel airplane is going to be proved to be invaluable knowledge for you as you go through your flight training. So those are the the main focuses of, of what I wanted to get through today. Uh, another thing that that folks want to know when you're, when you're, beginning your flight training and you're going to go to the airlines, let's say you want to become an airline pilot like I am, or you want to become a professional pilot and continue through all of your ratings. And mostly in the commercial world is where this becomes a factor is, do you need a college degree when you go to an airline, when you're going to fly professionally? And the answer is if you're going to fly for the majors, Delta, United, American, Southwest, FedEx, UPS, yes, you need it. That's that's what you, you got to focus on. If you don't have a college degree, the, the majors may not be uh, available to you. However, I do know that the commuters, large commuters like SkyWest, do not require a four-year degree. I don't even know if they require a two-year degree. It might not re- be required at all. However, if you have the ability and the time to do it, if you're a couple units short of getting your four-year degree, do it. Get it done. There is no reason why... Uh, you shouldn't have your college degree as well as all of your licenses when you fly. It just makes you just that much more competitive for getting in with the majors. So I do recommend going to, going to get a college degree. In that same area, what college should you go to? Are we talking about uh, uh, aviation degrees? Do you need to get an aerospace degree? Do you need to be an aeronautical engineer? And the answer is no. And back in the early days, it was highly recommended that you were an aerospace engineer. My dad was a an aerospace engineer from Cal Poly Pomona, and super smart math guy. The misconception is is that everybody who's a pilot has to be astronaut uh, qualified and tons of math, and you got to be able to to you know work uh, quadratic equations in your head, and that's not true. Most of flying is is. A lot of memory of, of the, the skills and, and techniques and, uh, and programming of the computer. It's, it's a lot of, of standard operating procedures. It's a lot of repetition. So we do a lot of that. So it doesn't require a lot of constant calculations per se, except for fuel, mileage, and the, and the basic math. So if you're pretty good in math, you like to calculate time, distance, problems, great. It's going to be awesome there are plenty of, of, of ways to to learn how to be a better estimator and and a better calculator of math. So if you're a little weak in math, crank it up. Pull it together a little bit. Take a look at the private pilot manual. It'll show you the math you need, and it isn't that hard. So you'll, you'll find the math to be totally doable. You'll find it to be fun to calculate it out and learn how Fast and how far you're going and how many miles per minute you're going and how many gallons per hour you're burning and that's that's part of the fun of it that's what we're doing in the cockpit if you're ever wondering what's happening up there we're, we're calculating time distance and we're calculating fuel burn and and, and time uh, re, you know fuel remaining and what we're going to land with how much fuel and how much weight it's going to be during the landing that's the kind of stuff we're mostly doing uh, while we fly but you don't have to go to a four, four-year college specifically designed for aviation. But that's always a good choice. If you love it and you want to be there, it's certainly an option. There's, of course, the Naval Academy and the Air Force Academy are great entries into uh, aviation. They have programs that's specifically designed for that, which I was not involved with. So I'll let uh, someone else speak on those academies. But Embry Riddle, uh, and the the Aeronautical University, Embry-Riddle. They have several campuses throughout the United States, a great college for aviation. I've, I've heard that the University of North Dakota is also another amazing aviation college. Look it up. See if that's something you really want to do. You could find one. You could find a way to get a scholarship there. You can get credit for your flying while you're there. So they love to have... Uh, the ability of, of, of course, people going there that are passionate about aviation. But you're also going to be able to get credit for your flying there, which I did not get any credit for my flying. I went to USC, got a finance background. None of my flying counted. It would have been awesome, and it would have been nice to have been able to focus on a little, on a little bit of a flying degree, aviation administration possibly. And I would have gotten some credit for getting my private license and in instrument commercials there, but. I didn't do that. I ended up uh, not getting credit for them. I was doing them on the side in addition to college simultaneously. So that was my path. Maybe it was a little harder than you need to make it. So focus on those things. Get yourself uh, uh, online. Look for King Schools. Look for Gleam. Look for uh, Jepson. Look for Sporties. See if you can figure out which ground school course makes sense for you, go online, download it, get it. A lot of them have a, uh, I don't know if they have a money back guarantee, but they have, if you don't like the course, it doesn't work for you. If you give it back within a few days and you want to just evaluate it, they can, you can most likely send it back to check on that before you pull the trigger on it. But uh, in our next episode, we are going to be discussing in episode five, cross country, taking a cross country flight in our Beach 18. I had a uh, a 1957 Beach 18. Um, I just flew it across the country relatively recently, and I will give you a full synopsis of that amazing flight in a cool old airplane uh, called the Beach 18. We'll be doing that in our next one, and as my dad would say, keep on flying. You are listening to Taking Flight with Michael Rocket Blackstone.